0: It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National
1: Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and the nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. All right. Welcome everybody. This is Colonel Rhett John, Colonel Rhett John on the national security hour for america out loud news network and um also i just have a wonderful guest gotten to know uh, her and her husband uh, over the last several years in virginia and if you want to know something about korea national security matters kind of in in that in that top uh, corner of the pacific this next guest, Tara O, oh, retired Air Force Colonel. She is the one. I mean, she knows this inside and out. She's a national resource on this. So, Tara, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for coming on the show, and um, I really appreciate it.
2: Oh, thank you, thank you for inviting me.
1: All right, thank you. Well, well uh, Tara, yeah, is uh, uh, yeah, just had an accomplished career in the Air Force uh, uh, in the in the in- uh, intelligence area and um so tara tell us a little bit about your journey it's what i always like to have the guests talk tell a little bit about themselves wh- how you where where you came from to how you became uh, uh, tara o as as uh, where you're at right now
2: <laughs> well um uh, i joined the air force um well A while back um as a lieutenant of course and uh it went into uh intelligence field and uh, my first assignment was uh, headquarters u.s european command in germany um so that was really uh interesting work um i was working on nato issues among others and had a lot of operations back then um but then i also worked in some other places like the pentagon covering asia pacific issues uh worked in korea I had three assignments there working in a um, combined and uh, joint environment. And um, I focused on Asia quite a bit, although my first job was Europe and sort of Middle East focused, um, I think most of my time was spent on Asian issues. So after I retired, I continued to uh, focus on that area. Uh, Before, I focused more on North Korea. But now, I focus more on South Korea. But I look at, the, of course, both the both entire Korean, uh, Korean Peninsula as a whole, um, as well as the whole regional area as well.
1: Oh, that is just absolutely awesome! And uh, I, you know, I did a I did a a year in Korea. I mean, I did a Korea tour, and uh, that was I came back from the Gulf War, and that was the thank you was sending me to Korea. But I uh, it was a great time, great time. Um, So one thing, and I and I think this is really relevant. I mean, you you and you and uh, your husband and I we've talked uh, a lot about Virginia politics and conduct of elections. I think an important event. We could we're going to talk a lot about Korea and a lot of matters. But in January of twenty, the Taiwanese had an election, and they very effectively. Shut down Chinese influence operations. so what happened in Korea a few months later? Could you kind of go over what happened in Korea a few months later later for their elections?
2: Yes. So Taiwan had it right. Uh, it went through a process, election process, that was very transparent. You know, what they did was they, uh, uh, they had one day voting, there was no early voting. Uh, they counted the, all the ballots at the end and they did it manually by hand, and everyone could see this. They didn't use any machine. In Korea, they used machine, uh, which can be hacked. Because it was connected to wi-fi although the national election commission they deny that that's what happened but uh there were a lot of um, uh concerned citizens korean citizens who were watching it very, very watching this very very carefully and they discovered that yes it was connected to wi-fi which means they could change the outcome with some sort of program um they also had early voting. And this is also problematic because they had it, uh, there were like maybe five, four or five days in between the election day and the early voting. So these ballots are just sitting somewhere. There's no CC camera. Some of them were uh, kept at the gym. Some of them were, uh, the tapes were removed, you know, the security tapes, they were removed uh, and then put back on. So there are all kinds of, um, I mean, could say anomalies but really a lot of signs of fraudulent election and the election outcome was also stunning because the national assembly has 300 seats and uh, the three-fifths so that's 180 seats went to then ruling party under uh then president moon this very he- heavily leftist pro north korea pro ccp uh, anti-US, anti-Japan, anti-South Korea freedom-based system. So uh, that was really shocking. But they also knew that they were going to get 180. In fact, they said it in advance that they think they're going to get 180. And they did. And when they won, usually if you won that kind of landslide um, outcome, you rejoice. Everyone celebrates. Well, they were somber. They
0: didn't,
1: <laughs> yeah, they were
2: they looked like they were at a funeral. Mm. So so they because they it was so it turned out so successfully that they didn't know they didn't want to gloat because then it looks even more like they cheated mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so that's what happened and and the national election there were of course there were about 200 um lawsuits filed fraudulent election lawsuits and the korean law says that the supreme court it goes to the supreme court directly mm-hmm. has to look at it within the within six months mm-hmm. but they didn't they the Korean that Supreme Court violated its own uh, law, uh, and they looked at maybe several cases over a year later. And even then, um, they there were all these ballots that looked fake because they looked like freshly printed instead of handled. You know, like money. You know, freshly mm-hmm. printed money. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there were all kinds of other issues, but uh, the Supreme Court said, "Oh yeah, they're all valid." I mean really
1: by was, all was, accounts,
2: was, they should not be but they were
1: was the uh, and I remember that time I remember I was just getting to know you at that time very distressing we just came out of the Taiwan election which mm-hmm. which they very they had two things a national security law it was called the anti-infiltration act where anybody taking foreign money could be arrested and they did a lot and they also like you said and you described a very transparent um uh, voting process, process. um mm-hmm. so it, we were we were all excited in January of twenty. and all right great now we have another great close ally about to go through an election mm-hmm. and it and it just my theory has always been uh, China was definitely trying to throw the Taiwan election and they were mad that they really doubled down to throw the election what do you think about chinese influence operations and chinese participation in in the korean election
2: yes um china uh china's chinese influence operations in korea is extensive it's so extensive that it's so uh little talked about So it's hardly ever talked about because it is so influential. Um, People just don't even notice it. But if you look past um, underneath the surface, then you know that it's really, really, uh, the penetration is very heavy. For example, as I mentioned, the National Assembly has 300 seats. Um, About a year ago, on the behest of um, a Chinese uh, CCP uh, senior ranking member, they basically uh, created an entity, uh, the, some sort of parliamentary uh, friendship cooperation or something like that. And basically it's it takes the South Korean uh, lawmakers to China and then vice versa, and they're supposed to exchange. Uh, basically what they would do is they would take them and wine and dine them and try to influence them. Well, mm. the founding members of that organization in Korea uh, consist of 100 lawmakers in South Korea. So that's just shocking, because that's one third. And those are just founding members who actually put their name on the organization. But there are others, because if you look at what they're doing, um, you know, there's a lot of linkage to China. Uh, there have been a lot of, uh, for example, they uh, displayed uh, a bust of Mao Zedong at the National Assembly. Uh, it was last year. I mean, why would you do that? Because Mao Zedong is not a hero. In fact, below the bust, it says savior. Why would you want to have somebody like that at National Assembly? But that's, uh, you know, that's just one example of Chinese influence.
1: Well, you know, in the next election, uh, which, um, in which Moon jae party was was voted out, that was... Uh, uh, that was it was twenty-two or twenty-three. Twenty
2: It was uh it was twenty-two.
1: Okay. what, what uh, because it seemed like the conservatives were very they they were fractious. What what turned things around for the next election?
2: Uh, well the party itself is still in power. It's still the majority. OK, so what happened was it was a presidential election. So okay. the president changed.
1: Right, 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 right. The presidential election. Yeah. But uh-huh.
2: but the National Assembly, uh, they still have this huge majority. So they've been passing all kinds of laws by themselves. Very, uh, um, you know, ones that take away freedom. Basically, they've been passing uh, thousands of laws or at, at least introduced thousands of laws and passed quite a few that were uh, that suppresses freedom so they're still doing that but uh the president changed and that was only by 0.7 so the margin was very very slim
1: wow and well, yeah well well, <laughs> so, how is pre- so the new president is president yoon uh, yoon uh now is he but he's conservative right
2: um you know i think it depends on the definition of a conservative okay um So the good part, the ones that are, you know, you say, okay, a conservative president would do this, and that is strengthening the alliance with the United States, Mm -hmm. and restarting the military exercises so that the military can be prepared for any sort of contingencies. So, uh, and then moving closer with Japan. Mm -hmm. So that, those are good. Those are uh, what the conservative traditional conservatives, they would do that. Um, But within uh, domestically, Um, There are some people who are disappointed because the election fraud issue from uh, April 2020 that has not been investigated still. And we're about to have an election in April. It's coming up very soon. And there really hasn't been any changes to the process. Um, The National Election Commission finally introduces some measures. But it really doesn't um, change anything because, for, for example, they said. Uh, so the people don't want to use the machine to count the votes, but they want to maintain it for some reason, but they said, well, we'll use the machine to sort them and then we'll hand count. Uh, so you're still using the machine and the machine can do all kinds of things so. So people are not confident that uh, this is going to be another, you know, clean, it's not going to be a clean election. And so people are very concerned about that. Um, and that's not investigated. So that's one of the things that people are disappointed about.
1: So is, how did the, so the, the, the legislative body in South Korea does does president Yoon sign their output or they can actually pass laws without his signature in the in in the process
2: well i think you know i know that recently he vetoed a a bill that was passed by just that one party because it could um and he vetoed it so i think he does have veto power um but a lot of them were not vetoed uh prior to him you know when Moon jae was in because Moon Jae-in and his party they shared the same goal so that was not an issue but I I, I do recall that President Yoon did veto one of the bills
1: okay okay uh you might may... oh, oh, ahead,
2: ahead. yeah no go, ahead, go but, ahead yeah so another issue is uh again during the last administration they passed a bill uh passed a law uh that basically said if you say anything about what happened in Gwangju in 1980 uh what the left is called democratization movement and then what the right says it, i mean prior to that it was called the riot rebellion so there are differences in in how they view this issue but they passed a law that said that if you say anything other than that it was a democratization movement if you say that north korean uh, special operations forces were involved then you go to jail and indeed they have put uh this colonel uh in jail and he is still in he's over 80 years old and because he wrote in his book that uh Korean forces were involved in guangzhou in 1980 they put him in jail so yeah yeah, that hasn't been resolved he's still in jail right now
1: so they got their
2: yeah
1: they got their own kind of super uh judicial J6 process and jailing this this kernel that, that's absolutely disgraceful oh wow exactly wow.
2: so those things are not changed
1: okay well we, we're kind of coming up to the end of the first segment uh this is this is really important stuff especially after the Taiwan election and as, as we were talking I was I was over with this most recent Taiwan election They very effectively used the Anti-Infiltration Act. Uh, uh, We uh, they they arrested two hundred, which really helped limit the Chinese influence operations. Um, The DPP won split legislature but now we got the korean elections coming up and uh mm-hmm. and uh one one thing uh, we we'll just have a few seconds here but i you mentioned it and i thought it was so important because i was so amazed that president yoon and the south korea and south korea and japan have been working so closely together that's it's wonderful but yes it, but it's not always been the case <laughs> so
2: yeah so i i think that is a great move um because you know, we all share the same values uh, freedom and um, so that should be natural thing to do. But uh, the leftist side, they use that as a political tool. So if we get another leftist president, then um, they're going to distance themselves distance korea from japan again
1: oh that's that's bad and we're, we're just about to end but we're going to talk about this more because it's very important I just I love the relationship I'm seeing for so many years it was very difficult to work with Japanese and the South Koreans in the same room at the same time and it's beautiful they, President Yun has really helped out in dealing with deterring China I hope that continues everyone we're uh, we're going to come right back uh, this is colonel rhett john with my my my, my wonderful good friend tara oh who is both retired uh, air force and also just really a national treasure on uh, just her expertise on korean affairs so we'll be right back on
0: the uh, national security hour
2: Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
0: All right,
1: welcome everybody. This is Colonel John back on the National Security Hour with my good friend, Colonel Tara O. And we're talking about a, a lot of things but uh, we're really kind of focusing on the korean peninsula and one thing my uh my father-in-law and whenever i met with the koreans i'd always mention mention this and i would always get just nothing but just loving admiration was my father-in-law uh was uh, fought in the korean war was wounded twice kind of an interesting uh he was uh my, my father-in-law's uh, chinese japanese uh was the only asian in his his all-white platoon and uh when they went through some pretty pretty bad times uh but my uh, father-in-law again was wounded twice he was a browning automatic rifle gunner but uh whenever i mentioned that i just uh, i'd get nothing but reverence from the south koreans so tara we're having a great conversation here about the uh, uh about what's going on in south korea uh, let's talk a little bit about North Korea and um, uh, Kim. Uh, I apologize. I the Kim Jong Un, current current mm-hmm. current leader. And I'm old enough that I remember I used to have to study and worry about his grandfather and then his father and now now uh, Rocket Man. Um, mm-hmm. So, what is the connection between North? Korea? korea and china
2: well north korea and china well they were to described as as close as lips and teeth so <laughs> i mean it's basically they're touching each other so they're supposed to be very close um so on one hand they are because uh they do have treaties and when north korea was first created in um, 1948 dprk when they were created. And also during the Korean War, which was from 1950 to 53, China played a huge role. China sent uh, its forces to help North Korea. Um, Not only did it help North Korea during the war, but prior to the war breaking out, um, China sent a lot of uh, ethnic Koreans who were in the um, military under the CCP, They were sent to North Korea to create the KPA Korean uh, people's army of North Korea. So in that sense, they're very close. Um, And even now, they they uh, there's trade uh, because they share this long border with each other. So that, you know, that does go on. And in in the international arena, China, of course, takes North Korean side, but it's On the other hand, it's not as close as people think because North Korea, although it's weak, um, you know, its GDP is far smaller than Chinese uh, GDP. It does not want to be told what to do by Xi Jinping or anyone in China. So sometimes it'll defy China. So that is something that we need to remember. That's because their interest, chinas interest
1: doesn't always mesh up with North Korea's interest and vice versa okay okay well now Kim Jong-un has been saying here um, some this is, seems to be a little bit of a ch- change uh, and it seems to be significant he no longer wants unification why is he suddenly talking like this
2: that is uh odd because uh, his grandfather and his father and until now, they that has been a uh, uh, their policy to, to have unification. Of course, unification means unification with South Korea under North Korea system, in which the Kim family rules. So that that was the vision. And when they say, um, let me just throw in another adjective: peaceful reunification that is a term that they used to use. And when they say peaceful unification, it doesn't mean that, um, you know, things are through negotiations. I mean, maybe through negotiations, but really, it means South Korea not resisting and just accepting the North Korean system. So that that's what they mean by peaceful unification. Okay. Um, okay. They didn't really totally renounce unification um, by force. So so that is not really talked about um but yeah the term that they did, didn't uh, don't want to talk about anymore is the peaceful unification again which does not really mean peaceful it's more like uh finding a way for korea to not resist
1: yikes okay this does not sound good uh and uh, i've been I'm, I'm sure you've been up to the border i've been up to the the border and it was uh it was always a little dicey uh, in fact when I before I left uh I had my wife and son over there with me on an unaccompanied tour foot stomp foot stomp for those who know what I'm talking about so they, were, they weren't officially over there but uh, a few days before we were to leave at the end of our tour um north uh, south korean police intercepted and and uh eliminated a small cell of north koreans that had slipped across the border and they were well armed and they were they were out to uh, they were actually not stopped and killed not too far away from uh, where we lived uh, they're they're nasty um they've been demonstrating new recently nuclear capabilities like this poseidon you know, they've ripped it off or were given the designs by Russia. The Poseidon nuclear-powered nuclear-armed undersea, it's like a super torpedo. What, what do you think about this? Do they really, what do, what do you think about their nuclear capabilities, the North Korea's?
2: Well, it has been, um, you know, Kim Jong-un well, and his parents' goal to have North Korea be acknowledged as a nuclear weapon state. So he has been working on that for some time. Uh, we know that Kim Jong Un went to Russia, Far East, where you know where they have a, a satellite, um, you know, station or site, and met with Putin there, and they did talk about exchanging uh, rocket and uh, satellite technology, and of course. What you know, rockets carry a satellite into space, but of course, that can also carry nuclear warhead and become nuclear weapon, nuclear missile. So, so it looks like they are exchanging um, that uh, North Korea selling uh, Russia weapons that they need to fight. Ukraine. And then in return, North Korea is receiving technology, missile technology, satellite technology from Russia. And it looks like they've made some advances because of all the tests uh, lately. I mean, they tested something, uh, a missile last, I believe it's Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, as well as last Wednesday, uh, and then last November as well. And they were demonstrating new technology. So it's possible that um it's coming from Russia the technology is coming from Russia
1: wow I uh, I mean this Poseidon for those who are not aware of it it's like a super-sized torpedo it's a it's it's unmanned it's nuclear propelled meaning it could go around forever um just travel around under the ocean forever or for a very long time and with a nuclear warhead I find that extremely uh, disturbing that they would have such a device. Um, What about other nuclear capabilities? Do do we think—and we're just talking about unclassified terms here—but you know, we've been worried about them since the '90s. Do they? Do do we pretty much presume they have ground? I mean, missiles with uh, nuclear capability at this point in time—is that pretty much uh, that's accepted?
2: This accepted, and certainly the United States is not accepting it. Okay. Um, because once, once U.S. as a state accepts it, then North Korea becomes a nuclear state, and that changes whole the the game. Um, and uh, so, it's um, and and plus we don't have any proof yet. North Korea has uh, made um, you know assertions that a uh, very various, various things and I mean that's what they're working towards but um we don't have definite, definite proof that they have it um and then of course like I said the other components the political component once you accept that then it becomes a nuclear state and then there are other consequences involved with that
1: oh okay no t- I totally totally I mean I mean uh, Kim Jong-un wants to- so badly to be acknowledged so even yes. if he, even if he does have so our own our own policy and strategy is not to acknowledge it um yeah what what uh what do you think I remember at the time when I was in Korea we were really worried about their massive um artillery formations I mean with all of what we hear about malnourishment in the country does he really have a standing capability to invade is is that still i mean i know what what, how was do you think he can really invade the south
2: um that's a good question because soldiers need to eat and if there's not enough food then you know they're not going to go very far um but having said that they have um some artillery drill recently. Normally they they don't really do that until um, I mean there's certain seasons when they do this uh, during the crab season which is like in November but they did this recently and in 2010 when they uh, basically shelled this island, an island on the west sea, they actually right before that they conducted artillery drills so then doing this artillery drill again this massive artillery drill recently um you know it makes one wonder we should we should be on a heightened alert to see if they are going to do similar provocations against one of those islands
1: okay okay wow um and what about I mean, they used to have a lot of border crossings, and in addition to their artillery, they they had a very very large special operations force. Is that still mm-hmm. a, a, a capability they have? And are they still? Do they still send uh, uh, essentially uh, agents and armed armed uh, s- cells mm-hmm. across the border? Is that still going on?
2: Um. I, I think uh, it's, I think we should assume that that is the case. Um, North Korea does have, uh, I believe the world's largest special ops capability. Okay. So, uh, and they use them extensively. And I know that back in the sixties, especially 67, 68, 69, they have sent them to infiltrate not only through DMZ, but also through different coast areas on the East Coast and the South and and the the West. So they have done that extensively. Um, As far as in modern times, I mean, there used to be a lot more guerrilla warfare back then. Um, Now they can still send people in and they can sort of remain in place. Uh, and when the time is right, whatever that time is, if they, you know, whether they attack or whether they, whatever they want to do, if they want to sabotage, um, they, I mean, I, we believe that there are a lot of um, special operations uh, capable agents, uh, as well as some other recruits ready to do that, ready to turn off the switch to, you know, telecom stations or, or something like that. So, so that... Uh, I don't think they have changed that tactics. I don't think they've changed it. And, um, you know, they have that capability. So.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. That was part of my job when I was there to keep track of some of the suspected North Koreans in the South. So, yeah, that was, uh, what, uh-huh. what do you think now they in the past, what do they do in North Korea to earn since they're under so many sanctions and considered such a pariah state in so many ways, they've always uh-huh. like in the nineties, they were the world's experts at counterfeiting $20 bills, which kind of drove, we, we redid the $20 bill during, uh-huh. during the Clinton years, a lot of it because North Korea, because the North Koreans were doing that. What are the kind of nefarious activity are they involved in to earn, earn money? Well,
2: for them, um, I would say cyber attacks and using cryptocurrency to uh, bring cash in, Uh, I think that is um, relatively easy, relatively low uh, resources uh, required for that and uh, and they are doing that so um, you know money laundering and things like that through using crypto so that definitely and you can evade sanctions because in many places cryptocurrency is not regulated and it's not um, registered so so they can do this especially through China uh as a China is a a final point where everything was uh gets brought in and then and then gets turned into cash
1: okay okay um and also their arms manufacturing i'm getting the impression they've now become a substantial provider of ordnance and an, ordnance ammunition and weapons for russia uh is that is that really uh, are they involved in that uh
2: yes i mean they are providing um weapons uh to to russia so i and they actually had uh, ability to produce ammunition in the past. So yeah, certainly, I think this is something they are happy to provide uh, now that especially with Russia, because Russia is not going to um, care about the UN sanctions or, or US sanctions. So so currently, um, it looks like North Korea is in a relatively good situation for, for uh, getting more of what it wants.
1: Mm. Wow! Wow! Well, we're coming up to the end of this segment. That is—that's fascinating, and uh, it's important stuff to know uh, in in all these dynamics. And uh, um, for, for so many years, uh, they're they're kind of this hermit kingdom, but uh, they've been kind of become a player in many ways, an adjunct of uh, China. When we talk about the kind of the axis of evil uh it's really the ccp but uh their 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 immediate subordinates are russia iran Venez- venezuela and uh definitely north korea north korea so everyone we're going to be right back here with our uh, our our final segment uh with uh tara o uh retired air force colonel uh, just a, an incredible national treasure and knowledge of uh, the korean affairs and uh, this is colonel ret john on the national security hour for america out loud news network
0: expert opinions honest debate and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from america out loud. News. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to americaoutloud.shop. That's americaoutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use Cofix RX because it works.
3: all right
1: welcome back everyone Colonel Rhett John national security hour my good friend and colleague uh Colonel retired Tara oh so you gotta you gotta count an 0 12 here between those two oh sixes so uh <laughs> um we can solve anything nothing more dangerous than a couple of colonels getting together it's always trouble so um Tara we we were talking about North Korean special operations and uh um, you mentioned something there during the break. I, I think it's important for everybody. Uh, uh, not just uh, they're not coming south just to do damage. They're also coming south to do what? They uh, the North Korean agents to recruit
2: South Koreans, and it may be surprising to hear, but there are ample pool of potential recruits because there's um, there are quite a few. Uh, who are pro-north korea they sort of align the ideology with north korea and also with china as well you know in terms of their ideological leanings
1: well i just i've never understood this is why would a normal south korean especially if they no longer have relatives in the north that they're that they're would love to be see again things like that especially when they don't have that familial connection why in the world would a south korean have any affinity for north korea
2: you know that that is uh hard to understand but uh one of the ways they do this is through education Currently, South Korea's education system is dominated by the uh, leftist teachers' union, Korea Teachers' Union, and they teach history that are that are distorted. Um, for example, when before they used to teach that the Korean War began when North Korea invaded South Korea, and we all know that. Mm-hmm. But in some of the textbooks now, they deleted that part. And sometimes some of the textbooks will say that South Korea and the United States began uh, invading Ukraine began the war. So when you're teaching this fake, you know, false history, then people are going to have uh, different ideas about, uh, you know, what, what is the proper system that we should live in um and also they never really have to fight for freedom uh, as we know freedom is not free but if you don't have to fight for it then you don't really value it or people forget or people take it for granted so they think that something else is better you know gra- grass is greener on the other side and um so that's a problem that's a huge problem I, I think some of that problem is in the united states too but um yeah one is definitely
1: through education system <laughs> wow you know it will we call it in america here as we all know I, I always use the term the howard zinning of america that's the leftist who really really is the one who poisoned the textbook system 50 years ago and uh, wow, you know, I thought my own, you know, uh, we, we live in different counties, but I, I live in Prince William. And, uh, you know, I thought our school board was reasonable. Now they're, we're, they're one of the crazies and they're, 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 they're absolutely pushing this transgenderism craziness. So, yeah, same model, same model. So the communists are doing it in South Korea and they're doing it in America. It's the school system. Oh, that's just disappointing um wh- what do you think and I was I was at an all-day forum uh, a couple of days ago kind of strategizing on I like that word it's <laughs> yeah, strate- strategizing uh uh-huh. it was the committee on present danger China and uh about conflict with uh with China uh unrestricted warfare and the basic question is, will South Korea become involved if China invades Taiwan? What, what do you think on this scenario?
2: Uh, Korea has tried to not get involved in the past if something like that happened, if, if China invades Taiwan, because of, uh, especially because uh, economic relations has been um, expanding. In the past, but I think there has been uh, ever since a bad incident. um, Do you remember several years ago when um, South Korea and the United States agreed that U.S. would deploy that battery to Korea? Yes. And there was huge opposition, and they made it sound like it was South Koreans who opposed it, but it's actually China. China was the loudest voice opposing them, and they sent people to that town. and pretended that they were locals but they were not locals um so they and they were out there protesting for the entire duration for years uh blocking the roads and things like that um so so we have that situation and i think um you know, I, I
1: forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> well, well, this, this, I did not. I know they were the Thad battery is ever for everybody. That's a very important element of our missile defense. Uh-huh. I, I, how did the Chinese? Why did the South Korean security services allow the Chinese to to get in and, and conduct these these influence operations? Oh, that's
2: another good question. When the leftist Moon Jae-in government came in, one of the things he did was to neutralize intelligence agencies
1: oh oh we've talked so, about this yeah 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 go go ahead go ahead
2: yeah so so that included national intelligence service which mm-hmm. is like the CIA mm-hmm. um and it also included a defense security command which is like the military's intelligence arm so they and then eventually it, they took away their function of counterintelligence functions from both organizations
1: uh well who well then question who does that now for South Korea who does counterintelligence
2: well I think some of the functions were restored uh with a new president okay however It takes time to build the capability because when you get rid of the people who have been working on this, you know, counterintelligence capability for decades, and you they retire or they get moved and shuffled around to different places, it's hard to put that capability back together. So I'm not sure exactly where it's at. Um, And I am also not sure whether it's getting the kind of the kind of attention that it should, the priority. or strength strengthening that at this point but that's what needs to happen because um, you know the, the last administration certainly made it very very difficult to to um, look into these kind of issues
1: wow wow yeah i got to know some of them when i was in korea and uh, pretty impressive but uh yeah when you it, it, when you eviscerate a counterintelligence capability yeah, it is hard to build it back up. Uh, wh- one thing I've been noticing is the South Korean naval buildup, which is just, just, I mean, they're even talking about aircraft carriers, and that's, that's a little contentious. It's a big cost, a big step. I'm sure China is whipping up a frenzy against that. So what's, what's, uh, I mean, what's going on here? Is just South Korea uh, uh, is placing a lot of emphasis on this and building quite a magnificent fleet. What's, uh, what's the strategy here with that?
3: Um you going to edit this, right?
1: So that's just like to build up and deter North Korea. Is that what that's all about?
2: Yes, yes, um, air carriers are for power projection, and it adds additional capability to deter North Korea
1: yeah okay so what what do you think about this um do, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's public knowledge, but what do you think about this? Uh, should we reintroduce nuclear weapons if they aren't already there? Should we should America put nuclear weapons back on the Korean Peninsula?
2: You know that is very timely question. Uh, among the South Koreans who um, I've spoke to who are uh, security experts, they actually want to develop nuclear weapons for South Korea. I mean, North Korea is doing it. So South Korea say, you know, um, we need to do it as well because you know we have this threat. Um, so that call for um, developing nuclear weapons for South Korea is increasing. But in lieu of that, they also talked about uh, reintroducing nuclear weapons, uh, US nuclear weapons to Korea as well. And there's some other, other options that they uh, discussed. But that is something that um, South Korea, I think, would uh, like to have. And definitely should be a a topic for discussion.
1: Okay. Okay. I I think we had announced that we're always, uh, the United States is always kind of, coy about the nuclear umbrella but i i thought we had retrieved them and because now, now there's talk about returning them to england which we had retrieved them from england so um here's a related issue is is uh, korean labor unions and uh, and especially about the in the shipyards they seem there's they seem to have this this communist infiltration. What is that all about? Is that just traditional, or has this been a priority for China to penetrate, or North Koreans to penetrate the the labor unions?
2: Yes, uh, labor union. Uh, the biggest one in Korea is KCTU, Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, and under that umbrella, labor organization, there are all kinds of different specific. Uh, industry specific ones. So for shipyards, it could be uh, metal workers union, um, and and some other ones. And they have traditionally throughout Korean history have been left leaning. And at the beginning, uh, at its inception, it was indeed created as a front organization by the Korean Communist Party, which is one of the first parties that emerged when uh, Japan was surrendered and Korea uh, gained independence from Japan. that was back in 1945 but um and then since then they have been involved uh in not only labor related issues like you know uh, higher wages or better working hours and things like that but they have gotten very political so they basically attend most of the uh large demonstrations and if you look at what they're demanding again uh, i've seen them say withdraw you know us troops or no that deployment things like that which is not related to labor at all but uh and most recently uh last year or the year before the nis finally after the new admission came in they were arrested um basically north korean a spy, a spy that was South Korean, who was recruited by North Korean agents. And that person held a senior position at KCTU at this labor union, and they were taking orders from North Korea and and uh, executing North Korea's instructions. So, uh, so the labor union is very, it it is infiltrated. It is very large, it has 1.2 million members paying members, so it is also very uh, wealthy, very well resourced.
1: Well, okay, so I'm just I'm curious. Like we have the UAW United Auto Workers in America, and I think uh, you know they. I think they the, the leader just announced an endorsement. I think it was for Biden, but. A lot of the line workers clearly don't agree with that or think that way. So what do you is it is it is there possibly a chance that their their labor union is kind of like that, that the leader might be a communist, might be a North Korean agent, but the line workers are more populist or conservative, or or do you think they're hardcore communist also?
2: I think of course leaders, a leadership level is going to be they're more ideologically Driven, very heavily ideological. The line workers. I think it's the way that set up the system. If you don't go along, then you don't get rewarded, but you get punished. So when you're in that situation, then, you know, what, what are their choices? What are they going to do? They're going to they're going to take the route in which they Get rewarded, not get punished or fired um so I think that's one consideration, and the other one is, as I said, with the education system, leaning heavily left they um maybe they don't lean as far left as the leaders, but enough of them do, and enough of them uh, are activists so uh again when you look when you're looking at a one million member that's uh you know not every not every person is um, uh, heavily left-leaning like the leaders. But even if you take a tiny percent, that's still enough. And they are uh, constantly engaged in various demonstrations and riots. And and they use violence. And they use violence against the police. But the police can't do anything, so they just get beat up. Um, and they don't take any countermeasures. Because if they do, and um, you know, one of the laborers who are demonstrating you know gets hurt um you know like a you know sprained ankle or whatever then all the responsibility for that including financial responsibility goes to that particular police person rather than the entire police agency
1: oh ouch uh, ouch okay that sounds like how they've uh, the blue side in america's i can't remember the, the indemnification of police officers in their line of duty oh that's horrible that's horrible. Yeah. Well, so Tara, we're kind of uh, coming to the end of this segment here. Um, a couple What well, one is, what is other issues that um, that, that you know, Americans need to know about Korea? And then two, how do they, how do they get more Tara? Oh, how do they, how do they get more about your writings and uh, what's your, your social media and things like that? So, First, is there, what what other important things about what's going on on the Korean peninsula?
2: I think uh, the most important part about what's happening in Korea that we don't really pay attention as much is, like I said earlier, Chinese influence in Korea. It's very extensive and it's in media, it's in you know, various culture, uh, education, uh, politics, legislative department, um, the three branches of the government uh, and and more, um, but that's not only Chinese influence, but also pro North Korea influence. North Korea's influence is as there too. So it's we don't really notice it day to day. Like if you go and visit, you're not going to notice it right away. But it is underneath and it's prevalent and it, it is a significant problem. So it'll take a long time for them to uh, come back from that. Um, but I'm, I'm concerned and, and we'll see, but you know, meanwhile we have to keep exposing the situation.
1: Okay. And then the, the April elections are coming up, so that's going to be important to see what happens there. Okay. Yes. So what, how do they get in contact with you? What's your social media? Uh, where, where, where does your stuff get posted Tara?
2: Oh, okay. So one is um, I have a website called East Asia Research Center, and it is HTTPS colon slash slash and then uh, East Asia Research dot org, and so that's where I post some of my writings. Um, also, I have uh, X or you know formerly Twitter, uh, and it's at dr so Dr Tara O D-R-T-A-R-A and then O. So those are two places where people can go to look at the, what's happening in South Korea and Korean Peninsula as a
1: whole. Well, thank you, Tara. And that, that's right. It's not just Colonel O; it is Professor or Dr. O. So Tara, thank you so much. This is absolutely, you, you are the go-to person when I have uh, uh, questions about Korea. You are, you are just the, the, the font of knowledge. So thank you so much, Tara. Thank you, John. All righty. Well, everybody, it's been a great conversation with two 06s, and one of them is also a PhD, something I can only aspire to, but uh, something I'm actually going to be working on here in the near future. So this is Colonel Rhett John uh, with uh, Dr. Colonel Tara O, uh, the National Security Hour on America Out Loud News Network.